Hello, beautiful people. I'm Janet Michelle, your blogger bestie and host. Thank you for tuning in to the Janet Michelle podcast, your destination for what's popping in entertainment, politics, and wellness. Available on Apple, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Watch us live every Monday on Facebook and Periscope. If you just so happen to miss the show, catch the replay on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Janet Michelle Blog. Don't forget to set your notifications. All right, so we are three minutes in. I am going to go ahead and get started. And like I said, if this earring pop out my eye, uh, pop out my ear, don't pay it any mind. It's been bugging me all day. So I hope your Monday has been awesome and I hope Monday didn't get you, but you got it and you took care of what you needed to take care of. So with that being said, we're going to hop right in. Um, So today we're going to be talking about Beyonce's Blackest King. I'm late to the party, y'all. Forgive me. Um, I had got some much needed R&Rs. It's a little little road trip, but it was, you know, there's beauty and beauty in the small and simple things. So anyway, um, also we're going to be talking about women in hip hop. Is this their Me Too movement? We'll talk a a lot more about that. And then also election tampering. I mean... I'm going to stay on this election, this, this post office stuff, because I just don't feel like we're paying enough attention, attention to it. And I really feel like we're going to wait until October and, or November to then it's too late to start talking about it then, because by then chances are your ballot has been impacted if you do vote by mail. So I'm going to stay on top of this. Um, this whole post office fiasco because you know what it's just not right and i'm just surprised that um it's not being talked about enough and when the media does attack it they're attacking it by giving some credence to what number 45 is saying even though there is no proof that voting by mail leads to fraud there he anyway ah, there it is it fell out (laughs) so anywho um, we're going to be talking about that later on in the show. So I'm not going to get too deep into it right now. I told y'all I don't pay attention to this earring. I've been fighting with it all day. Oh, that's when wearing a big old hoop earrings in high school that stretch your earlobes and your earrings just can't stay in your ear. Anyway, if it falls out again, I ain't messing with it. So let me get, hop right into it. Beyonce is king. I, let me give a disclaimer. I am a member of the Beehive. So anything I say is probably going to be biased because I am a member of the Beehive. So let me just put that out there. But I had a chance to I didn't watch it when everybody else watched it. Um, And I kind of stayed away from like the commentary and stuff like that because I really wanted to see it without any of that influencing, you know, what I witnessed. And I loved it. And I feel like saying that I loved it, it's like an understatement, right? Because for me, and I'm just going to read something that I posted earlier about it. And I wrote, African cultural masterpiece is equals black is king. Blackness in all of its creative glory, sowing seeds of black liberation, power, spiritual awakening, and love. Thank you, Beyonce, for introducing us to talented and brilliant African artists featured in this beautiful body of work. Uh, bringing a richness that I just don't feel in America. And I think the one that got me the most was the visuals for the Brown Skin Girl song. And everybody went crazy about that song when it came out. And um, But for me, that song that almost brought tears to my eyes because I, representation, it matters, right? I love the many, the many different hues, but it's just something about that dark black skin getting that representation that really just, 
really just, <laughs> it really just hit me. It pierced me. And I'm sure you can guess why, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But growing up as a dark skinned girl, it, it's not always easy, right? And even as a woman, now you really have to learn to love the skin that you're in and embrace it, regardless of what society is putting forth out there in the atmosphere, and that's just the bottom line of it. You really have to, to grow, to learn, to love and embrace the skin that you're in because there are so many clues and so many messages in society that, um, all right, that's it. I'm not putting it in again. <laughs> I'm not going to put it in again, but there are so many, uh, so many messages in society, you know, that will have us think that there's something wrong with our skin color because of the way it is. So I appreciate her uh, even making that song. I love it. Um, and like I said, I love the visuals. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, you can watch it on the Disney Plus um, app. Yes, I, I went ahead and purchased the app. Didn't have it, but I wanted to see, you know, what all the excitement was about. And I'm always willing um, to support Beyonce and in her artistic expressions and stuff like that, music video or whatever. So um, that was really, really, it was just glorious, right? And it's just a much needed break from all of the other stuff that we see. The other thing was that that I appreciated from Black is King is that she centered the geo geographical regions of Ghana and Johannesburg. And she also featured uh, African artists such as Jimmy Alade, uh, Shata Wale, Burnaboy, uh, uh, Salatil and Wizkid and the way that she featured them to me it just didn't seem like it was exploitive in nature um, but instead it was an ode to the immense talent that rests within the continent of Africa and I love every minute of it I'm telling you guys you I mean I'm gonna show you a peek we're gonna take a peek right right quick let me show you I mean, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, I do not own the rights <laughs> to these songs displayed there within and not present them as my own. So I need to throw that out there. But um, let me just let me give you guys a peek. because I think you are going to love it. And this this particular one is the brown skin girl. I never charge you for anybody else singing. She had her baby, blue eyes. That was sweet. So here's a look. She never do forever be nobody wifey. She wanna be pretty, but your heart is on me. Play you like a villain, cause she caught in a way. Tonight I am walking away. Nine to five, mine and I cry. Tonight I might fall in love, depending on how you hold me. I'm glad that I'm coming down. And no one can control me Keep dancing and call it love She fights it by falling slowly If ever you are in doubt Remember what mama told me Brown skin girl That skin just like girls You're back against the world I never tried you for anybody else A brown skin girl That skin just like girls The best thing in the world so, I mean, that was just a snippet of the beauty that, I mean, you guys, you have to see it for yourself. I mean, it's a visual album. 
um, what Black is King is. And it's something she dedicated to her son, but also to every um, boy and girl. And so I just think, again, if you have the time to check it out, check it out. It's just a beautiful it's just a beautiful um, representation of the creativity that exists within the content of Africa. And of course, you know, Beyonce, she's going to do her thing with anything she touches. And so I absolutely love it. And like clockwork, you know, the criticisms of her latest project, they all hit the net, but you know what? It, it just all sounds the same. And, and, and not that people can't have an opinion. Of course they can. Of course, you know, we don't all think the same way. We don't all have the same reactions to things that we see. So I get, I get that, but sometimes I can't help but seeing, and it's like, okay, this sounds the same. Nobody really adds anything new to their criticisms of, Beyonce. So to me, it's like, okay, what? Okay, you said this about, you know, Lemonade. You said this about, you know, all of her other projects. So you said that you had something to say about Homecoming. You have something to say, you know, it's like, okay, enough. <laughs> have your opinions because, like I said, we all do. But and a, lot, a lot of times it's coming from people that really don't even like Beyonce. So it's like, okay, you don't like her, but you go out of your way to check out her projects. And then offer your criticisms. Okay, fine. Okay, girl. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> if I don't like somebody, I'm not checking out what they're doing. I'm not paying attention to what they're doing. I'm not eagerly waiting on my keyboard to give my two, four, six, eight, ten cents on what they are doing because I wouldn't care. So the fact that you have people that really don't like her, but then they want to take time out to criticize her work, it's like, mm, okay. Go ahead, you know, but you know, I hope y'all check it out. If it's if you have children, um, I think they'll really enjoy it. Just it's just it's it's spiritual, it's creative. Um, and I really love feeling like um it yearning for me to have a deeper connection with the motherland. That's that's what I got from from her, um, from Black is King, uh the video, uh the album for uh loosely tied to the Lion King. So the visual album, but y'all know anytime she do something, she's going to do it in essence. So, but on to something else. Oh my gosh. See, now we all know about the hip hop, um, the me too movement, right? And the me too movement, I think, um, it has done wonders. It has brought attention to, and particularly in the entertainment industry, right? It has brought attention to a much needed problem within the entertainment industry. It is predatory in nature, if you ask me. It is just a predatory type business. They prey on people um, with talent. They uh, see them as a cash cow and they use whatever they can. They get what they can from them and dis dis dismiss or and let them go, right? So, um, we saw, you know, the Harvey Weinsteins and so many others that were um, held held accountable through the Me Too movement. Well, there's a new documentary that's coming out and it's for the women in hip hop. And I'm actually excited about this because um, I just think it's something that's long overdue. And if you've ever heard me give my comments on something, then you, you know how I feel about women, particularly in hip hop, particularly the artists. And I just feel like they're the message for them that sex sells is so drilled into their heads that they're, they're never really given that space. They're never really given that luxury to just be, to just create. 
I understand putting together a package. I understand putting together a brand and wanting to sell that brand. But what I don't understand is why, particularly with our black female artists, why is sex so heavily pushed upon them to be integrated into their image? And that's the thing, you know, you see other other white artists, non-black artists. I mean, yeah, they have a, a little sexy factor, but they're not pushed to it, to the lens that our, our black artists, our black female artists tend to be pushed to. And then you, you add on top of that, the entry level is often littered with men at every level. You know, you may have women like in hair and makeup, but even those areas are dominated by men, hair, makeup, wardrobe, the producers, um, you know what I'm saying? Even the, pe- the budget people that write the check, the record label executives, the AR, ARs, they're, they're, prote- they're primarily men. So they're in this male-dominated industry, and I'm just like, wow, it would be awesome if the women in hip-hop finally had their, their Me Too moment, right? But this particular documentary, um, it is it follows the... Um, it's a story of a music executive, Drew Dixon, and what she, it follows her in making the decision to actually come out with her with her allegations. And the Me Too movement actually inspired her to create the story. And the allegations are against um, hip hop mogul Russell Simmons. I mean, who don't Russell Simmons? But I remember when uh, some of this first came out. And it's like, I won't say that it was swept under the rug. I do believe that it had its moment in social media. But with social media, you know, things move so fast, right? But I don't feel like the women got the justice that they deserve, right? Because of Russell Simmons and who he is and his status in the hip-hop community, I feel like their voices were almost muted. And so now HBO Max, uh, HBO Max, uh, it has produced this documentary again, and it's following uh, the story of hip hop uh, music of music executive Drew Dixon. And also um, there are several other women, uh, several of his other accusers are on record as well in this documentary. And I'm so thankful for surviving the surviving R. Kelly series because uh, what that did was you heard the whispers, whispers, right, in the music industry. Everybody knew the accusations about R. Kelly. And so what that documentary did was it gave a voice to the victims, right? It gave a voice to the victims. Some The community was was widely divided. However, those women were finally being heard. And I think in anything, when you have a project like that, I mean, that's like the ultimate goal that they're heard and that they finally receive justice. So it's my hope that through um, this uh, women in hip hop on that this on the record piece um, that uh, Dixon receives a justice and that her voice is finally heard and it's no longer swept under the rug, and that the other uh, accusers, that their voices are heard as well. And I think one of the things that really pierced my heart, when I, and I'm going to play the clip, is the trailer for it, courtesy of HBO Max. And one of the things that really got to me uh, with her story was that she, and I heard this when I was listening to the trailer, and it says, I quote, I did not want to let the culture down. And that just, oh my gosh, that just really, ah, that crushed me because she held this in because she didn't want to let the culture down, the culture down, right? And we all see what, how the culture has a tendency to treat women, 
in, in it. So I just thought that was just very heartbreaking to hear her say that, that she held this so close to her vest because she didn't want to let the culture down. So kudos to her for finally coming out with her story and agreeing to do it if other survivors, other um, uh, accusers came on board with her. So let's take a peek at that trailer. So this is on the record and it's uh, by HBO Max. I think actually Biggie gave me this. At the time Biggie lived around the corner, he was trying to be a rapper. I was trying to be a rap A&R person. We were all trying to be something. Drew was a young, powerful something who cared so much about this music. And so when Def Jam called me, I was like, Russell Simmons wants to offer you this job as the director of A&R at Def Jam. I could not have Junior Mafia. I think actually Biggie gave me this. At the time Biggie lived around the corner, he was trying to be a rapper. I was trying to be a rap A&R person. We were all trying to be something. Drew was a young, powerful something who cared so much about this music. And so when Def Jam called me, I was like, Russell Simmons wants to offer you this job as the director of A&R at Def Jam. I could not have scripted it better. That's one of the beautiful things about the music industry. There was a lot of mobility for women, but at the same time, there was tremendous amount of sexual harassment. You didn't get a lot of sympathy for that. That was considered the price of admission. I didn't tell that many people about what happened with Russell. He just grabbed me. He just grabbed me. And I'm saying no. I was reduced to nothing in that moment. Nothing about anything that makes me who I am mattered. I had asked her, do you want to go to the police? She was like, no one's going to take me seriously. Who's going to believe me? If white women are not believed, what do you think is happening to the black women in America when we come forward with stories about sexual violence? I don't have a stitch of violence in me. I would never hurt anyone. You're worried as a black woman that you'll say something that will have consequences that you hadn't anticipated. He's the king of hip hop. The black community will hate my guts. I didn't want to let the culture down. I love the culture. It's a terrible burden to bear to know that you might still be judged as somehow being a traitor. The New York Times called me and said there were other women. But they won't go on the record unless I go on the record. But I'm terrified of the backlash. We need to be able to make sure that a broader group of women are introduced into the public consciousness. This is so emblematic of what happens to women routinely. It's a loss for all of us. It really, really is. I've been alone for 22 years. I thought it was just me. To go through the assault and then the coming forward. Everybody was taught things happen, you just didn't talk about it. And so I just always put on this front. Every woman's story deserves to be heard. I've been a victim for 22 years. I'm tired of being a victim. Again, I'm, you know, hey, listen, if you got to tell it, you know, tell your story, 
the way that it needs to be told. You know, if you're going to tell it, tell it. Don't let anybody. <laughs> don't let anybody tell Tell your story for you. You tell your story. So I'm going to be looking for it. And like I said, it's on um, HBO Max on the record. I'm, I'll, I'll put it in the comments for you. So if you want to, um, you know, if you want to check it out, please do. All right. So I did go ahead and put it in the chat for you. But this is because I, I think the conversation about sexual harassment in the hip hop industry, I think it is way overdue. It is way overdue. And being someone like when I was coming up, hip hop was it was relatively new. It had it was it was on, it was at the beginning of it going commercial. Right. So when like around when I was young, um, like Roxanne, Roxanne, UTFO, um, um, gosh, uh, uh, Planet Rock, you know, uh, like that. That's when I was introduced to it. We would watch movies like Crush Groove, um, <laughs> feature Russell Simmons, um, Breaking One and Two, Electric Boogaloo. Um, you know, those are the movies, right? It was hip hop. It was hip hop in its in its infant stages. And it was not the monster and it was not not monster because that's negative, but it was not the beast that it is now. It had not grown to its full potential that it that it has now. So um, now I feel like when now there's a lot at stake, right, for a woman that held her position to come out. And the fact that she held her story so close to her chest, you know, it, it just makes me think about, wow, you know, what was that like? You know, seeing everyone wreak this, heap this praise on this man who essentially was one of the architects, if you will, because he gave us, um, you know, they gave us Run DMC. Come on, Run DMC. They gave us the Beastie Boys, him and I think, was it Rick Rubin? I think it was. Um, the LL Cool J's and like they helped shape and form them. So they gave us that, right? And so for someone uh, in her stature to hold this to her, there's a lot at stake now. But despite that, she's willing to come forward. And the other women were willing to come forward if she came forward. So, like I said, I'm really looking forward to that. I think the conversation is long overdue about uh, sexual harassment, especially in the hip hop industry. Because, again, we see how, you know, how women are treated in the industry. We, we, we see it. Even, you know, we have some problematic phase in the industry, but we still we see it. I mean, it's a glaring it's just a glaring difference to how women are treated as opposed to how men are treated in the industry. And like I said, I think this time it's um, been past time to have the conversation. So this brings me to um, Taylor Crompton. She actually wrote a piece and I'm going to um, bring that up for you. Hold on a second. Oh, wait, let me remove it. All right. So, um, and what I really liked about her piece was, uh, I'm going to uh, share it here for you. Get that out. All right. So, all right. You guys can see it. Okay. So, Taylor Crompton, uh, she wrote a really nice piece on 
that fe- that was featured in the Harper's Bazaar. And it was it's titled Women in Hip Hop Cannot Thrive While uh, Misogyny Exists. And she wrote, uh, the jokes about Megan Thee Stallion's traumatic shooting sheds light on the bigger issue of misogyny in hip hop, and it must be eradicated. And a lot of us um, recently, you know, that was kind of a hot topic for a moment with Meg. And the part of it was, and I and I got that too, I'm like, wow, so this black woman, right, um, she was shot in the foot, she was injured, she, you know, she was injured. And you had rappers in the industry, you like they're making jokes about it. She, you know, it's like, uh, come on, this is a, a woman on the cusp. She's a rising star in hip hop. She was uh, violently assaulted. I mean, you got shot in the foot. I mean, come on, you got shot. She was violently assaulted. Yet people chose to make fun of her. Right. They didn't see Megan's humanity. And I talked about this a little bit last week. They didn't see Megan's humanity. Right. And some uh, some guy even made the comment, oh, oh, well, maybe if she didn't rap the way she rapped or talked about guys the way she did, you know, she can handle it. I'm like, what? Are you serious? You know, it's like if you don't act a certain way or if you don't behave a certain way, then it's like, oh, you got what you deserve. The hell? So, you know, um, this the situation with Megan. Right. Along with the piece that's coming out um, through HBO Max, the um, the women in hip hop. Let's see. Um, on the record. So the on the record piece, right, along with this, you know, this story of a woman that's actually in the in hip hop. She's an artist and how she's treated. I just think those are some timely pieces because, again, they're in an industry that does not see them. That I feel like that does not see their humanity, particularly when it comes to the artists. They see a project. They see a budget. They see how they can get their return on investment, right? They see uh, a package. And so they work diligently to package and sell this product to the masses. But somewhere in the midst of it, the humanity of the artists that make up these, you know, these packages is lost and we don't see it and their voices are muted. And so I shared with you last week when Megan actually went online and she began, you know, she got a little teary eyed and talked about her support system. And I think it just really underscores that point. But what Taylor Crompton does is she again, she writes about misogyny and hip hop and just how it is something that does need to be eradicated. It really does, because there it really is just not an even playing field. Women are treated differently in the industry than men are, period. We see that. I firmly believe a part of that is because you still have an industry that is comprised of men. And at every level of entry, you have men that are essentially acting like gatekeepers. They're acting like gate- gatekeepers. And when you hear women that say, oh, I didn't have to suck this or screw this to get to where I am. Like, that's something you do need to brag about. That is something you need to toot your horn about, horn about because the expectation is if you want to get to a certain level, then you're going to have to give up a little bit and not just, you know, a peck on the cheek. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you, you got to give it up. You got to drop the drawers essentially to get to where you want to be. So for women coming in the industry um, that don't have to do that, they should be celebrated. You know, they should tell their stories more. 
because they did not have to compromise to in order to have the career that they have or get to those places that they needed to get to. And I think it's just so important because you have a new crop of young artists that are coming up, you know, signed and unsigned, independent or dependent upon the label that are coming up in the industry. And I think those young women deserve to have to hear those conversations. Those young women deserve to have that guidance. Right. To know that, hey, you ain't got to exploit yourself and put yourself out there to get on. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I'm just I, I love her piece. And again, um, it's by Taylor Crompton and she wrote it for Harper's Bazaar. So I'm going to put the link in the chat for you. So if you want to, um, you know. Uh, read it at your own leisure you can so I did I put a link to the article in the chat um, but this also brings me up to another point just with black women period you know not necessarily in the industry but um, again just how with Breonna Taylor right when she passed away and I'm just going to talk about it until we get justice for her period so but this brings up another point right amongst um, many uh, black women you know we talked about how she became a meme right it's like there's nothing uh, she was she she became a meme it's like there's nothing funny about what the hell happened to her she hasn't had justice she was in her home she was gunned down she was killed and the the officers that killed her they still have not she still hasn't received justice they are still free they have not been arrested they're still free walking the streets breathing you know chilling with their families while this baby lays dead and her family has not had justice for her. And they had and she they had the audacity to turn her into a meme. Like what when will black women get the same compassion? When? Because we you know, for so many of us, there's this false sense, this false notion that we are these super women with superhuman strength. And that's just a lie. Look, I took my cape off a long time ago. I I, I don't mind being vulnerable. I'm not strong all the time. You know what I'm saying? You know, some you get tired of being strong, especially when you're there for other people, but they're not there for you. And that is the story of the black woman in America. Right. We have fed other people's children. We have raised other people's children. We have taught other people's children. We have done so much and given so much. We birthed so much into this earth. But where is the return for us? Where is it? So I'm not going to. I get so upset. I get a little worked up because, you know, it's just like I, it's almost like that scene in Get Out when um, the lady put him under, you know, under the spell and uh, she hypnotized him and he was falling and he was yelling and he was reaching. But it was in this big old black space and it's like nobody could hear him. He was in the sunken place. And I feel like as women, sometimes it's like we're in the sunken place. Like who's going to amplify our pain? Who's going to amplify our voices for our, us? Who's going to take our complaints seriously? Who? Right. That's I feel like that sometimes, you know, but thankful. Thankfully, we do have some strong women in the media space um, that are carrying that torch and they're doing their damnness to amplify our voices and I'm just proud to be one of those women <laughs> platform may not be super huge but I'm just determined you know just to use it to amplify our voices because our voices matter our pain matters right and we will get we will get the justice Brianna Taylor will get the justice that she deserves that is my firm belief that that's my prayer and I stand on that that she will get the justice her family will get the justice that it deserves for her death all right so oh 
we got work to do. We got work to do. All right. So on to the politics. So y'all know, I, you know, I try to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> it's okay talking about the latest things going on in the entertainment. But hey, at the same time, we need to have that same fervor uh, for politics, especially when y'all know when they start doing shady stuff, we are the most impacted. Right. So we just um, I just wanted to throw that in. So let's talk about Judge Salas. Now, remember. Um, last week, the week before last, I told you about a gunman dressed as a FedEx worker um, got into the home of Judge Salas and he killed her spouse and um, no, he killed her son. I'm sorry. And her and her her husband was severely injured. And so the gunman then was later found. He was later found dead. Right. And so, as you know, she was she's presiding over a case um, by Douche Bank. And the case, uh, they're making a case against uh, bank investors um, that the company made false and misleading statements about anti-money laundering policies, and they failed to monitor high-risk clients. Well, one of those clients was Jerry Epstein. And y'all know he ended up dead, but Jerry Epstein is closely tied to Donald Trump. So it's no um, wonder why they attempted to assassinate this judge, because the case will go on. Well, she's actually speaking out. She actually uh, released a video. It was on social media. I went ahead and went to um, uh, YouTube and I actually found the complete statement from her. But if so, if you want to watch the complete statement, you can. I'm just going to play this uh, tidbit for you. But this is this is important, guys. See, this this is the thing. And I say this all the time. As black people, we do not have the luxury to not pay attention to this stuff. We don't have the luxury to not be involved in politics. You determine what your level of involvement is, but to be uninvolved, you cannot afford it. You have to pay attention, right? Particularly at things that go on at the local level, your, your mayor's races, your city council elections and not uh, appointments and all of that stuff, because those are the things that matter to you, right? So, um, we have to be involved again in some way, shape, or form. Um, so let me, I'm gonna go ahead and play the video for Judge Salas. I do not own this content, I am playing it for informational purposes. So I'm gonna put that disclaimer out there. <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and pull it up. Just give me one moment. And my family will never be the same. A madman who I believe was targeting me because of my position as a federal judge came to my house. Our family had just finished a weekend celebration in honor of our son, Daniel Mark, 20th birthday. Daniel always wanted to spend his birthdays with his dad and me. So he asked that we host a party for a few of his Catholic University of America friends. Because of the pandemic, Mark and I, my husband and I had some concerns. However, we thought we could adhere to safety guidelines and we agreed to allow his friends to come spend the weekend. The weekend was a glorious one. It was filled with love and laughter and smiles. As Daniel's last friend departed on Sunday, we decided we'd give Daniel a pass on his usher duties. When 
Mark and I returned from church, Daniel was upstairs sleeping, and we decided to give him a little rest. But as the afternoon progressed, it was time to clean up from the weekend festivities. Daniel and I went downstairs to the basement, and we were chatting, as we always do. And Daniel said, Mom, let's keep talking. I love talking to you, Mom. And it was at that exact moment that the doorbell rang. And Daniel looked at me and said, who is that? And before I could say a word, he sprinted upstairs. Within seconds, I heard the sound of bullets and someone screaming, no. I later learned that uh, this monster who had a FedEx package in his hand opened fire. But Daniel, being Daniel, protected his father. And he took the shooter's first bullet directly to the chest. Hmm. The monster then turned his attention to my husband and began to shoot at my husband one shot after another. Mark was shot three times. One bullet entered his right chest. The other, his left abdomen. And the last one, the right forearm. While my husband is still in the hospital, recovering from his multiple surgeries, We are living every parent's worst nightmare, making preparations to bury bury our only child, Mm. Daniel. My family has experienced a pain that no one should ever have to endure. And I am here asking everyone to help me ensure that no one ever has to experience this kind of pain. We may not be able to stop something like this from happening again, but we can make it hard for those who target us to track us down. As a federal judge, I took an oath to administer justice without respect to a person's race, gender, or economic status. As I speak to you today, I can honestly say that I have worked tirelessly to uphold that pledge. Hmm. Woo. Oh, that was hard. <laughs> Ooh, Lordy. Um, mm. Like I said, we don't have the luxury to not pay attention to what's going on. If they would, if they will be, if they will try to assassinate a federal judge, come on now. What else do y'all think they'll try to do? What else are they? Well, are they actively doing and plotting? What? What? I mean, what will they do? You know. And we just can't have our heads in the sand. 
The same way we share other stuff, this is the type of stuff we need to be sharing and we need to be talking about. Because what happens is when we don't, this is how people are able to come into our communities and lie to us and sell us these fancy stories and we vote for them, right? But we don't really understand the consequences of what it is that we're doing. They tried to assassinate a federal judge, right? The two pieces, Jerry Epstein is connected to this case and Epstein is connected to number 45 that currently occupies the White House. Those that, that is, whatever it is, they don't want it to come out. Right. So I'm just saying, put it on your radar. That is her. She lost her son, her only son, and her husband is currently recuperating in the hospital. And she's asking for protection that federal judges should be protected. Now, I know. With law enforcement, if someone's in law enforcement, if you try to search through their stuff for public record, it does not come up. I know, at least in the state of Florida, I'm not sure if that's everywhere. It does not come up, you know, because, you know, if you own property, property records are anybody can access your information. bill. It's a public record. So anybody can access it. And I really think that should not be the case at every level. A person should have permission to access your information. They sh- they just should. They just should. Even if even if you, you yeah you, you I mean come on it should be private. And so and, and she has a point. People just should not. It should not be easy for them to locate them and to especially if they're targeting them to cause harm. And I I agree. You know she's a federal judge. She is. And someone attempted to assassinate her, but instead they killed her son and it severely injured her husband. They didn't get to her. So my hope is that whatever they don't want to come out, that the covers will be pulled back and that the light will be shined on whatever is contained or wrapped up in the paperwork connected to this case, that all of it is exposed for the world to see. And that ultimately, number five vacates 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's my hope. Everybody out here talking foolishly about, you know, what he's going to do. Listen, if he loses, he needs to go. He will lose. He needs to go. Period. Ain't no he ain't. You got to (laughs) go. Whether you want to or not. Bye. (laughs) You ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of there. So um, prayers for her and her family, man. That's hard. That's just that's hard. I, I that my heart goes out to her and her family. So that's Judge Salas. She speaks on the assassination assassination. Um, a tip. Now, my last and final thought. Well, a couple more things. <laughs> oh, it was the back. You know what? Let me take this other earwig out. Lord, trying to coordinate. Isn't that something? Anywho, the post office election. Now, listen, there is no coincidence that this, I'm going to just call it what it is. Guys, this is election tampering. Come on. This is election tampering. Now, I I recently had a package hang up at the post office, so I get the frustration. I do. I get it. Like, seriously. I recently had, um, and thank God for the vendor. She was really diligent in helping me making sure that I got my package. So I'm appreciative. I am. Because, you know, but then I thought about it. I said, you know what? It's all by design. The the they want us to be frustrated with the performance of the post office because they want us to question whether the post office can handle an election. Yeah, come on now. How long the post office been doing mail in ballots and absentee and processing absentee ballots forever? 
But now all of a sudden they want to sow doubt because they are attempting to steal and to thwart an election. And I honestly am just wondering, like, why this really the way that it's being framed, I don't like it because a lot of the main people in the mainstream media, they're leading the story with quotes by number 45. Unfounded accusations about voter fraud or whatever. It's unfounded. And the mainstream media, they're leading their stories with his comments. And then they're, they nestle under his comment, unfounded. No, I want you to lead with these are unfounded, unsubstantiated claims by him and also indicate that this is how he and his family members have primarily voted for the past elections. Why don't y'all lead with that? But instead, they're leading with a lie, right? It's not, there, there's nothing substantiated. There is no increased voter fraud when you, it's a lie. It is a lie. And you have to call that thing out for what it is. They are attempting to steal an election, period. That is what this is, all right? So they're undermining our elections once again. And you have those in, 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 in the House and the Senate, they're just looking at it happen. I don't want, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what's in their power to do, but honestly, I'm sick of it. You know what he's doing. It is a federal offense to tamper with mail, with 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 mail, with pulp mail that comes. With, it's a federal offense. Period. And y'all sit, you're sitting here, you know exactly what it's doing. The very fact that he that they approved um Louis DeJoy as the postmaster, I think that's a sad commentary within itself. Because I'm gonna give you three reasons why. This man, Louis DeJoy, who is the new postal postmaster, he gave over two million dollars to the Republican Party under uh, under Trump. He has given over two million dollars to the Republican Party under under number 45 two two million dollars. As a result, he was rewarded as the postmaster. Now, let me and also he this man, Louis DeJoy. He has $70 million invested in companies that compete with the post office. $70 million invested with companies that are direct competitors to the United States Postal Service. This is the postmaster. That's number two. And number three, again, it is a federal crime to obstruct the passage of mail, period. Nobody should be exempt for that, but this was a conflict of interest from the onset. Like, come on. Like, who, why are y'all so asleep at the wheel? And I'm, I mean, it's just, and let me tell you the stuff that he's doing. That's why I said, if y'all packages are getting there late, you know, you having a double check and, and go circle back to the post office. Don't get discouraged. This is intentional. It's intentional. They want you to have a negative per, uh, perception of the post office because they want you to, to sow the seed of doubt that it's not safe to send your, your vote through the mail. Come on. Y'all got, let me tell you something. This, cause these are some of the things that he's done since he, he's become postmaster. He's shutting down mail sorting machines so workers have to sort mail by hand. Really? You want people out here sorting mail by hand? Really? He's, yeah, he's prohibiting overtime pay. He's prohibiting overtime pay. Let me show you what it looked like. Let me, let me show you real quick. Now, let me, uh, so y'all can get a, 
a visual for what he looked like. I want y'all to see, y'all need to see, y'all need to see this case. You you need to see it. You need to know who's behind all this stuff. And you could just, you know, you could just Google it. This, that's him. Put him on your radar. I just did a Google search. His name is Louis DeJoy. He is the new postmaster. So let me tell you what else he's doing. He's requiring letter carriers to leave mail behind to avoid extra trips. And like I said, just you can, I'm going to put his name in the comments because you could just go on Twitter and, um, you know, you can see you have letter carriers. You know, you have people that are now uh, speaking out about what's going on behind the scenes. They're speaking out. You have people working 10 and 12 shifts, um, hour shifts, and they're not getting paid for it. The Postal Service is one of the largest employers of veterans. They're not getting paid for their overtime. This is you got you want people to sort damn mail by hand. Like these are some of the things that that he's doing. He's prohibiting overtime pay, requiring letter carriers to leave mail behind to avoid extra trips. Shutting down the mail sorting machines. And this, and I, this, okay, so this is the spirit. This is how the post office operates. This is what they believe in. This is their philosophy, philosophy. And I quote, the Cardinal rule is don't delay the mail. And we are in the 180 degree switch where we are delaying mail every day. Adding that if the system is not fixed before, sorry guys. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start over. And I quote, the Cardinal rule, this is the, from the post office. The Cardinal rule is don't delay the mail. And we are in a 180 degrees, 80 degree switch where we are delaying mail every day. Adding that if the system is not fixed before election season, it is going to be a catastrophe. Postal worker, that was a postal worker in the Washington, uh, that was quoted for the Washington Post. So this is someone that's in that that is actively a part of the postal system. So they're they're spelling it out right here, right? Don't delay the mail. Yet you have someone that is intentionally delaying the mail. The end result is going to be a catastrophe before elections. Like, come on, like you, it just don't get no clear on that. So I'm sharing this with you because I want you to put this on your radar, right? I want you to put this on your radar. I'm looking to the camera. I want you to put this on your radar. They are intentionally trying to sabotage the post office to interfere with our elections. We cannot allow this to happen. We can't. Be mindful of what you share because, like I said, the mainstream media, they play, they're playing this game. And at this point, they're really useless. Because they're playing this game where they're quoting what number 45 has said about mailing, you know, voting by mail. And it's a lie. It's unfounded. It is not true. So they're leading the stories with that. And then they nestle underneath what he says. And I know I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. They're nestling what he says after when he makes his comment. Then they write those those statements are unfounded or those accusations are unfounded. You, They don't lead with that. So as a reader, you're reading what he's saying and you're taking that in. That's the first thing you're going to think about because that's that seed they're trying to sow. 
It's not until you get a paragraph down that they put that it's not true. Well, it's too late by then because most people don't read the full article. They just skim it. They read the first couple paragraphs or the first paragraph and then they're out. So the mainstream media, they know what they're doing. These print and these print you know, publications that, that they know what they're doing. So be mindful. All this stuff that's going on with the post office, it is intentional. It is a federal crime to tamper with mail, period. So don't believe the hype. It is still safe to vote by mail. And they know chances of people voting by, by mail is going to give a higher probability of his butt no longer being in there after November 3rd. And that's just what it is, right? And we can't allow that to happen on our watch. So if you plan on voting by mail, right, for the November 3rd election, um, the, the, the U.S. Postal Service advises technically to allow for a 14-day round trip for your ballot from the time you put it in to the time that it's processed. And so what the recommendation uh, is now is that and send your ballot in October 20th. Don't wait October, don't wait November 3rd. It's don't it, or a week before. It's too late. You know, you got to send it in early. In your mind, October 20th is election day, not November 3rd. So you want to get it in before October 20th. So in other words, don't wait to the last minute. To, to, if you're going to vote by mail, you have to do absentee vote. Don't wait to the last minute to do it. Don't don't do that. Go ahead and get it in early. And so, you know, so you can have to to ensure that your uh, stuff is processed. All right. Um, voter information. Uh, early voting has started in Florida. Um, there is a special election, August 11th for Georgia. Uh, voting for Florida takes place, place August the 18th. So uh, if you do vote by mail, you should have you should have received your you should start receiving your ballots in the mail. If some people haven't. And again, um, you can vote now, too, for the uh, special election. I believe you can. They started early voting for that as well. But it's actually on August the 11th. All right. So that's about it. I'm almost at time. New music alert. B7 by Brandy. She has dropped new music. So shout out to her. And Be Somebody by Savannah. She has a new album out. And Brandy, and y'all know Moesha is on Netflix now. So if y'all want to stream and binge watch Moesha, you're more than welcome to. But uh, Brandy, yes, B7. She's dropped some new music. So let's go out and support her. Uh, she's back to giving us some nice music. I haven't listened to it. So this time, but I am going to take a listen to it. So that's it for me. You can follow me. You can follow the page, Janet Michelle blog, um, subscribe to the newsletter at JanetMichelle.com. And you can follow us online on Instagram at Janet Michelle blog. So I'm Janet Michelle, your blogger bestie. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for catching up with the latest in entertainment and politics. And I will see you guys next Monday at seven o'clock. Set your um, alerts. <laughs> so you are alerted when uh, we do go, when I do go live. So thank you all for hanging out. And again, um, as black people, we do not have the luxury to not pay attention to politics. We can walk and chew gum at the same time so we can be into entertainment and we can be into politics, too, because that stuff is what matters. So make sure your voter information is up to date. Don't forget to check out the websites for some interesting uh, topics and articles we got going on. Uh, send your music highlights and shout outs to us at Janet Michelle at JanetMichelle.com. All right. I'm out. Bye.
Thank you for tuning in to the Janet Michelle podcast, your destination for what's popping in entertainment, politics, and wellness. Available on Apple, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Watch us live every Monday at 7 p.m. on Facebook and Periscope. If you just so happen to miss the show, catch the replay on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Janet Michelle Blog, and don't forget to set those notifications.